G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Leading the way is an international media ministry featuring pastor and author Dr. Michael Youssef, who passionately proclaims uncompromising truth across six continents in 28 of the world's most spoken and understood languages. Today, join Dr. Youssef as he gives you a biblical look into the sexually charged culture of Corinth, which is easily comparable to the culture of today. You'll hear an encouragement to experience true freedom through the power of the cross. Listen with me now as Dr. Michael Yusuf continues his series, Healthy Living in a Sick World. President Calvin Coolidge was known for his brevity of speech. He would never use three words if one word would suffice. And one Sunday morning, his wife was not feeling well, so he went to church by himself. So when he came home to the White House, his wife asked him, what did the preacher preach about? He said, sin. (laughs) Well, what did he say about sin? He was against it. (laughs) Beyond the story, I must confess to you that uh, I thought long and hard of how there was a day when preachers called sin, sin. When churches were more than just an auditorium for a motivational speech. Churches were more than an entertainment center. When church membership was taken seriously, there was a time in America when we used to be shocked by sin, not accommodate it and understand it. Yes, there was a time when pastors invited people to repent of sin, not try to explain it away. A time when we blushed, when we have fallen into sin. Today, we pride ourselves on being called tolerant Christians, which means that we tolerate every sinful practice and unbelief, meaning baptizing sin into the church, of not being called bigoted, meaning that we actually not only loving sinners, but we love sin. The list goes on and on and on, and while in reality, we ought to be weeping over sin. Beloved, I weep over my sin, as well as the sin of others. And weeping over sin is what chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians is all about. I hope you turn to it and follow it with me. In chapter 5, he turns his attention to the tolerating of sexual sin in the church. In chapter 5, he turns his attention to the fact that compromising the authority of the Word of God always, always, always leads to acceptance of other sins. Look at verses 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. The first thing he had to show them is that immorality is an immorality is an immorality no matter who calls it what. Until you confront this head-on, you can talk about philosophy until the cows come home. It will not get us out of the pit. 
The Greek word that the Apostle Paul uses here is the word ponia, from which we get the word pornography. The broad definition of pornography is that sexual activities, any sexual activities outside of a heterosexual relationship in marriage. In the Corinthian church, the ponia that was taking place was incest. And here in this case, Paul is saying that even under Roman law, it is illegal. Even the pagan Rome believes that incest is a sin, and yet the believers in Jesus Christ were tolerating it. The church leadership closed its eyes. The church leadership looked the other way. The church leadership shrugged and said, everybody does it. And the church leadership pretended that's not a problem. It's not their problem. Paul said to the Corinthians church, you should be mourning over the sin, not blessing sin. Now, I want to be very clear. This is very personal for me. The day may come, I don't know, but the day may come when they will haul me out of this place in handcuffs, but I will never shrink from calling sin, sin, whether it be in my life or anybody else's life. In verse 2, the Apostle Paul is saying, you should be mourning over sin as if you're mourning over a death in the family. You and I know there are a lot of people in our country are praying for a revival. Listen to me. Keep on praying. But I'm going to tell you, based on the authority of the Word of God and my knowledge of revival history, there will be no revival until the believers come clean with God and they mourn over their sin. I know this idea of weeping over sin does not make sense to the churchgoers of today. I know that. I know, but it only makes sense to those who love Jesus with all of their heart. I know, because I know there are thousands of knees have not bowed down to Baal. I know to those who look at the cross and say, Jesus, you did this for me. You died for my sins. You stayed on that cross until I'm be redeemed and forgiven. Jesus, you shed your blood that I might be set free from sin and have power over sin, not sin have power over me. Now, beloved, when sin is not dealt with, when sin is not repented of, when sin is not confessed fully, when sin is not cleansed and purged, there can be no joy of the Lord, and there can be no power in that person's life. Do not ever, ever, ever forget that the church of Jesus Christ, that's you and me and all the believers, that we are the bride of Christ. And let me tell you something, if I know anything about Christ, He does not and He cannot stand anybody molesting His bride. He may patiently wait for repentance. He may patiently wait for confession. He may patiently wait for turning back to Him. But if the person or the persons refuse to repent, then that person must be let go of by the church. That's not my words. That's not, I don't make the rules. It's in the book. <laughs> Why? Because when he or she let go away from the cover of the Word of God, from the cover of the body of Christ, he or she is all alone, all alone. 
when he's totally separated from the loving support and care and fellowship of the believers. And that's what Paul means by handing over to Satan. Now, beloved, listen to me. I'm going to tell you, God knows the truth. I never read 1 Corinthians 5.5 without my eyes are moist with tears. Why is Paul taking this drastic major of handing this persistent, adamant sinner to hand over to Satan? Well, there are two reasons for that. First of all, to bring that person to repentance. That's always the purpose. That is always the desire. But secondly, to keep the rest of the church from being contaminated. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. We know from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, that both that sinner in the Corinthian church and the whole church repented. Isn't that great news? That's great news. This is the true purpose of any discipline, to restore them by repentance. I'll pray to God if there's anyone here persistent in sin, have never repented of their sin, never confessed sin, today will be the day. Don't risk your life. Because if you persist in sin, if you are determined never to confess and never to repent of your sin, then you are on your own. And that's a very frightful thing. Secondly, the reason for this drastic measure, verse 6, look at it with me. It keeps the rest of the church from fully plunging into sin. Paul said, your boasting is not good. What does he mean by this? Your boasting is not good. While the Corinthians believers were tolerating immorality of the incest in the church, <laughs> they were bragging about the numbers. They were bragging about the budget. They were bragging about how many campuses they've got. They were bragging about their activities. They were bragging about their gifts. They were bragging. And while they were bragging about their large membership, they were tolerating sin. Verse 6 again, Paul said, a little leaven can penetrate and impact the whole lump of dough. I grew up in a home where my mother baked our bread. Before the day when she will bake the bread, she will bring a little leaven or yeast, and she will make a hole in that dough that she had kneaded together, and she will put that yeast and, or that leaven and cover it up, and then put the whole jar in a warm and fuzzy place, always warm and fuzzy. The next morning, watch out. This thing just got so way up, exploding out of that tub. It's almost like one of those horror movies, you know. I remember a horror movie where this thing kept expanding and expanding and filling the kitchen and going to the living room, and people were just filling the house. <laughs> Except this is not a horror movie. This is real, and this is the burden of the Apostle Paul. A wise baker knows when the dough reaches a certain height, it must be put in the oven. Why? To stop the leavening process that could ruin good bread, that could feed people. Beloved, that's what happens if sin not dealt with promptly and thoroughly. My dear, dear friends, Every piece of leaven that's hiding in our hearts, every piece of leaven that is 
in our hidden motives, every piece of leaven that is lying inside our spirits will sooner or later spill out a disaster unless we decisively deal with it, biblically confessing and repenting. Hear me right. God is not impressed by how many campus a church has. God is not impressed by how many people attend church. God is not impressed by how many people believe our doctrine. God is not impressed by any of this, but He is only impressed by obedience to His Word. Why? Because just as leaven represents the old life of Egypt and must be left behind, even so, sin and the tolerance of sin represents the old nature before Christ, and we must ruthlessly remove it every day. It must not be allowed to take hold in our lives. But that's not all. God has given us the resources He has given us the resources to deal with sin on a daily basis, sometimes even moment-by-moment basis. He gave us His Holy Spirit, and He gave us His Holy Book. I know some people use the old nature as an excuse, and you probably heard the kids say, oh, the devil made me do it. You know what I'm talking about? Well, yeah, see, the devil made me do it. It's okay when a kid says this. It's not okay for somebody who's been walking with the Lord for a long time and say, well, you know, I just couldn't help it. It's the flesh. In fact, I, I heard a story about a man who broke the law, and he appeared before the judge, and instead of throwing himself on the mercy of the court, he tried to explain to the judge that he is a believer in Jesus, but the old nature is still in him. The old man is still in him. The old nature is what really did the breaking of the law, but the new nature it did not. Well, the judge was not very impressed with that argument. And normally he would have sentenced him 30 days in prison, but he ended up doubling his sentence. When the man said, Your Honor, the old man did it, the judge said, Okay, because the old man in you did it, I'll give him 30 days in prison. <laughs> and because the new man in you was an accomplice, <laughs> I give him 30 days. <laughs> Double your sentence. <laughs> Look at verses 9 to 13. Here Paul corrects a misunderstanding that arose from a previous correspondence he had with them. Listen carefully. Sometimes people deliberately misunderstand. (laughs) My goodness, I've seen it. In the letter that he had sent them before this one, he told them not to associate or fellowship with immoral people. Paul was referring to immoral people in the church, in the membership of the church, not those who are outside of the church. And he was flabbergasted. I said, how can you miss this one? But he goes ahead patiently, explains it away. His misunderstanding resulted from them cutting themselves off from the people of the world completely and tolerating sin inside the church and accepting fellowship without condemning, without diminishing, without helping the person to repent. And Paul is telling him, this is a complete misunderstanding. If you cut yourself off from the world, from the non-believers, who's going to witness to them? Who's going to tell them about Jesus? Who's going to lead them to salvation? Who's going to tell them that Jesus saves? In fact, verse 11, he goes on to talk about this immorality. Let me categorize them in three different ones, okay? 
sexual perversion, greed, idolatry. Why sexual immorality? Well, because it degrades the person who commits it on a regular basis without repentance, because it can lead the person into bestiality. Why is persistent in sexual sin without repentance dangerous? Listen carefully, because sexual passion and sexual instinct should not rule supreme in our lives. Jesus should rule supreme. It is an insult to the Holy Spirit of God who is on the inside of us and ready and willing to help us overcome and get into victory when we ask Him to and don't. The person who does not appreciate the power of the Holy Spirit which is available to them will always fall in this habitual pattern of behavior which becomes devastating. The second category here is greed. Why does he put greed on the same level as sexual immorality? Well, because a greedy person judges everything by purely materialistic standards. And our life and our future eternity is far from materialistic standards as it gets. There's something else. A greedy person is not a giver. He's a taker. You see, God is a giver. Satan is a taker. A godly person gives. The greedy person takes and then takes some more. Everything God created gives. The sun shines to give us light and warmth. The trees give us fruit and shade. The rain comes down to water the seed and grow the food. Everything under Satan's control takes, takes, and then takes again and gives nothing in return. The Bible said Satan steals, robs, and plunders. The third category is idolatry. Well, you say, oh, Michael, what's idolatry got to do with me? I don't get a statue out like some of my Hindu and friend, Buddhist friend, and bow to it. And that's idol worshiping. Please listen carefully. Listen carefully. Anything or anyone who occupies God's rightful place in my life is a form of idolatry. Sexual immorality is a sin against oneself. Greed is a sin against others. Idolatry is a sin against God. I want to tell you this story in, that I pray to God will illustrate what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us about the danger of tolerating sin and what it can do. Now, it comes from the Eskimos, and the details are a bit gruesome, but it illustrates how the devastating nature of tolerating sin and not dealing with it in repentance and purging. The Eskimos, when they want to catch wolves, they're dangerous in many ways for them. So the way they do it is they take their sharp knife and they coat it with animal blood. Then they freeze it. Then they coat it some more. Then they wait. 
Then they coat it some more until the blade of the knife is completely covered by frozen blood. And then the hunter fixes the knife in the ground with the blade up. And when the wolf allows his sensitive nose to the source of the scent of the blood and discovers the bait, he starts licking and licking the blood and then licking some more and licking some more. And then he licks faster and faster and vigorously lapping the blade till the sharp edge of the blades begin tearing into his tongue. But he's oblivious to it. He's oblivious to it. His craving for blood becomes so great that he does not notice that this razor-sharp sting of the naked blade in his own tongues. Neither does he recognize his insatiable thirst for blood needed to be satisfied that is being satisfied on his own warm blood. His carnivorous appetite only craves more and more and more until dawn finds him dead in the snow. No wonder Jesus said that water that this world gives is like salt water. Have you ever tried with felt thirsty and he drank salt water? The more you drink and you're thirsty, and the more you drink it looks like water, and you drink it, the more you thirst. The more you thirst, and the more you thirst, it will never satisfy. But thanks be to God for the living water, the Lord Jesus Christ, who set us free from the power of sin and the dominion of sin by the power of His own blood on the cross of Calvary. He has set us free, and every single moment He wants to give us victory. The question is, will you ask Him? Every time you fail, will you ask Him? Make it a point to join Dr. Yusuf next time on Leading the Way when he continues his series, Healthy Living in a Sick World. You'll be glad you did. You know, the ministry of Dr. Yusuf goes beyond a radio or TV program or podcast. Leading the Way is uniquely positioned to reach the world in crisis by passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth through multiple media technologies and local ministry teams. Learn about the scope of the ministry at ltw.org. Due to his passion to reach and equip the next generation, Dr. Yusuf challenged his son, Jonathan, who has served in pastoral roles across multiple continents, to develop a podcast with content directed toward young families and the struggles we're all facing in current culture. This top-rated podcast is called Candid Conversations with Jonathan Youssef. In an age of increased skepticism, doubt and misinformation, how do we equip our children and grandchildren to discern what is true and why? How do we navigate a world that feels like it's spinning out of control? Leading the Way launched Candid Conversations, a podcast designed to address the complex issues of our day with biblical truth. Candid Conversations is a weekly podcast featuring Jonathan Yusuf and special guests with topics ranging from theology to relationships to mental health. The Candid Podcast is helping listeners discern biblical truth amid the noise of the world. With listeners in over 130 countries, Candid Conversations is resonating with listeners worldwide. In fact, it's already in the top 1% of podcasts globally. Join the conversation. 
Check out Candid Conversations with Jonathan Youssef on your preferred podcast platform today or at ltw.org slash candid. Learn more at ltw.org slash candid or search and subscribe through your favourite podcast platform. Again, it's called Candid Conversations with Jonathan Youssef. Well, that's it for today. But please join Dr. Michael Youssef again next time for more Leading the Way. Learn more at ltw.org or speak with a ministry representative at our call centre, 1300 133 589. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.